I'm Kayla Branch. And I'm Nuria martinez Keel. You're listening to The Source. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the Oklahomans' most impactful stories with the reporters who wrote them. This week's episode is bittersweet for me because it's my last before I leave the Oklahoman for another journalism job. But the past year producing this source with this team, getting to work with Naria and bringing the news to our listeners has been one to remember. So I'm really going to miss everybody here and I'm glad that I got the opportunity to do this. And I know I will greatly miss having you as a co-host. You have helped make this podcast what it is. Um, and so we will miss you here on the, the airwaves, but also just in the newsroom. Uh, but we always wish Kayla the best. Um, we will have another host joining the podcast next week. So stay tuned to find out who that will be. But in the meantime, this week, schools are reviewing new controversial COVID-19 guidance announced by state health leaders and Governor Kevin Stitt. Nuria, you have written dozens of stories about how schools are handling the pandemic. And up until last week, schools had been requiring quarantines for students or staff exposed to COVID-19. So what did that process look like and how well was it working to contain the spread of the virus? Uh, I think the the biggest impact has been the sheer numbers of students and teachers who have had to miss school. Um, so most districts in the state have been teaching in person. Um, it's only a very few that have been virtual for most of the year. Um, and what we have seen by a lot of these districts will post weekly numbers of quarantines and positive tests. Um, and, and frankly, one person who tests positive can send dozens of students and teachers into quarantine. So we've seen hundreds, if maybe even thousands at this point, of students who have had to spend time at home away from school um, and, and what a lot of, uh, of uh, schools are dealing with are uh, staffing shortages because they have too many teachers who are in quarantine at once. Uh, they have quite a few students who are absent um, and, and sometimes staffing shortages especially have caused schools to have to close for a period of time. Um, so quarantines have been you know, disruptive to um, the flow of the school year. Um, but up to this point, they have been required and highly recommended by uh, health officials in the state and by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Right. And have there been any outbreaks in, you know, say like Oklahoma City public schools? They've had positive tests, but that district has been one that has spent most of the school year in virtual learning. So they have not had to send, um, you know, hundreds of of kids and teachers into quarantine. Um, So... I, I don't know that I would say they've had outbreaks, but they have, they, you know, like a lot of other districts, they will send out their weekly uh, numbers of positive tests and staff quarantines. Um, and it's, you know, they, they do have numbers there, but because most people, most students are not in school buildings um, until this week, uh, they haven't had, you know, widespread absences, things like that. They still had, you know, kids who were playing sports. They still have their employees who were working from their classrooms and school buildings, and they would have small groups um, 
of students who would meet uh, in school buildings. Um, but outside of, you know, a few days here and there, um, most of their kids have been at home. Um, and, and now we might see that starting to change now that OKCPS has started to reopen uh, their elementary schools this week. And so Governor Kevin Stitt announced January 13th, I believe, new guidance from his office that if schools have a mask requirement and certain COVID safety protocols in place, that they would no longer have to quarantine students or staff that were exposed to COVID in the classroom. So what is the significance of that announcement? Uh, It is pretty significant. Um, Reason number one that a lot of school districts have pointed out is that it contradicts CDC guidance. Uh, The CDC still recommends that anybody exposed to COVID-19 quarantine for at least 10 days or as little as seven days with a negative COVID-19 test. Um, So this would effectively eliminate any need for uh, a student or a school staff member from quarantining at all if they were exposed in a school, in a classroom-like environment where everyone was wearing masks. Um, The messaging has been conflicting from the governor's office. He originally said that it would, if if a school district had a mask requirement and other COVID-19 safety protocols like social distancing in place, that schools would qualify. If you read the actual policy, it actually just mentions mask requirements. It doesn't mention any other COVID-19 safety protocols. Now, masks are critical and and they're obviously a big part of, you know, what health officials say could help curb the spread of the virus. Um, But basically, if you were in a school where everyone was required to wear a mask and you were exposed to somebody who tested positive for COVID-19, you would not have to spend any time in quarantine at all. Um, And that is pretty significant. Sorry to interrupt you here, but I mean, just from, just from my, my own thinking of it, I mean, I mean, if you're exposed to COVID, right, you're exposed to COVID. Um, And is the governor's thought or has he been questioned on why it would make a difference that if you're exposed in a school, you could continue to keep going to school? I mean, if you were exposed at Walmart, you know, uh, and everyone there is wearing a mask, or at least most people are, um, you you know, I I don't understand the difference, I guess, between why if it's in a school building, it's, you know, quote unquote, okay. But if it's if it's not, then then you would have to quarantine. Um, so really the basis for the idea was this study that uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics released from uh, a study of students and schools and teachers in North Carolina. Uh, so they looked at uh, 100,000 um, students and teachers in North Carolina schools where um the schools reopened with mask mandates and COVID-19 precautions, and they found that transmissions were very rare within school and that there were they found no examples of a child transmitting the virus to an adult. Um, I think they found 32 transmissions among 100,000 people. Um, so their basis for that um, is that within school environments, within environments where everybody is masking, they believe that the likelihood of you getting COVID-19 from somebody else is very unlikely. We know when safety protocols are followed consistently, like washing your hands, watching your distance, and wearing a mask, 
Our schools have been and will continue to be one of the safest places for our students. So the state health department decided that, you know, this information uh, indicated that school masking protocols were sufficient to prevent people from getting COVID and that it would likely be safe for them to continue returning to school unless they started to show symptoms. Schools should continue to require quarantines for exposed students in situations where masking and distancing protocols were not followed. Additionally, this updated quarantine guidance does not apply if exposure occurs during after-school activities, including sports. The The new guidance still requires the person who tests positive to isolate at home. I can't stress enough the importance of continued mitigation strategies while also providing kids the opportunity to thrive in the classroom. But this data from a North Carolina study shows that, you know, they didn't find very many instances of viral spread um, among you know, those school communities. Um, and so that was why they believed that Oklahoma schools could also safely continue bringing kids and teachers back even if they had been exposed. Okay, I've got a, another question for you on on that study that I was going to ask later, but since we're on the topic, you know, SIS office has continually cited that study. Um, repeatedly, they've sent it out in, in press releases because people have been, you know, pretty critical of of this. Uh, and how well? I mean, you said this was a study done in North Carolina, and so is it kind of an apples to apples comparison with Oklahoma, or how well does it or does it not apply to our? COVID-19 situation here. So, you know, as a reporter, I can't say definitively whether it's apples to apples or apples to oranges, but I can tell you that the Oklahoma chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics, so local doctors who are part of that uh, nationwide organization, have said it is apples to oranges, that this is not a fair comparison, and that the information they found in North Carolina does not apply to the COVID-19 surge in Oklahoma. Um, they, they pointed out um, in a statement, um, you know, a day or two after the press conference announcing this new policy that it, North Carolina schools reopened with uh, strict um, adherence to mitigation strategies, meaning they strictly applied mask mandates. They, they were very diligent in, in applying other safety protocols to help make sure that the virus was not going to be spreading among its uh, school communities. Um, and and uh, they, they pointed out that um, North Carolina has a statewide mask mandate. And not only are these schools um, enforcing strict mitigation measures, but those mitigation measures are more commonly practiced within their community, uh, statewide. Um, they, no- they noted that, that not, that's not really happening in Oklahoma, that first of all, schools are not universally required to require masks. They're not universally told that they have to put other mitigation strategies in place. Um, So that's a district by district decision. Um, And then similarly, that is a community by community decision in Oklahoma. Cities and counties are not um, all doing the same things. They're not all requiring masks. And our COVID spread is very, very high right now, to say the least. We're setting new records all the time. Um, And so 
they recommended, our, our local chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics recommended uh, the governor implement things like a statewide mask mandate and other uh, universal, universal strategies to help uh, lower the spread of COVID in Oklahoma in lieu of having students and teachers skip quarantine. Definitely. And this feels like a good time just to mention, you know, you, you said earlier that even if um, if you test positive, uh, you still have to go home and isolate uh, and that if you are showing symptoms, you still go home and isolate. But it is important to note that, you know, I think the latest numbers are that 40 percent of people that are um, positive with COVID are asymptomatic but are still able to transmit the virus. But to talk about how this news, this new announcement from Governor Kevin Stitt uh, was received by state education officials and teachers and parents. Uh, So I was honestly surprised at how many people, including those who don't normally speak up, on things like this, um, how many people were very openly vocal against this policy. The prime example for me is uh, State School Superintendent Joy Hoffmeister. Um, you could tell that you know she she has in the past supported things like a statewide mask mandate or a statewide school mask mandate that the governor has said he is not interested in pursuing. So you could kind of tell that maybe they didn't entirely align on certain um, ideas. I do not support this option, although I do share the governor's belief that the best place for kids is in school. Uh, But dispensing with quarantine is inconsistent with the guidance of the CDC and also with the recommendations of the American Academy of Pediatrics, especially when COVID is raging out of control like it is currently. We believe it's very important to follow the guidance of infectious disease experts. This is the first time that she has openly come out and said, I cannot in good conscience support this policy. It goes against what the CDC recommends. It goes against what disease experts recommend. She is not in favor of eliminating quarantines for people who were exposed to COVID, even if it was in a classroom environment where people were wearing masks. Um, So she comes out and the State Department of Education said that they were not consulted in the creation of this policy. So when the state health department was putting this idea and this policy together, they were not roping in officials from the state uh, department of education to see if this is something they were on board with, if they had any input in this. Um, I was told that uh, superintendent Hoffmeister was made aware of the policy uh, maybe a day or so before the announcement. Um, But They were not consulted, if that makes any sense, if you can see the distinction there. Um, So that, first of all, um, the state agency in charge of schools comes out and says, we were not uh, consulted on this policy affecting schools. And our state's top education official comes out and says, I do not support this. I cannot support this in good conscience. Um, We also started to see within hours uh, multiple large school districts across the state saying that they will not implement this policy. So it is a district's choice uh, just because the state health department gave schools clearance to implement um, and waive quarantines uh, for students and teachers. um, That doesn't mean that the school has to use that policy. So Oklahoma City Public Schools um, 
um, Edmond Public Schools, Norman Public Schools, uh, all are saying, no, we are not interested. <laughs> I guess I can't put the, that word in their mouth, but they basically came out and said, thanks, but no thanks, we're not going to do that. Other school districts, a number of other school districts across the state said, we're not changing anything at this time, especially not before we can uh, review the written policy. Um, I have yet to see any school district come out and say, yes, we are going to be doing this. Um, now, I've been told that, um, you know, told I've been told do not be surprised if school districts do start to pursue this, um, because on the other hand, they've been dealing with staffing shortages and widespread absences. They've had to send hundreds of people home to quarantine, and it has been majorly disruptive to the school year. Um, and so these uh, these schools might possibly pursue this. Um, I've been told don't be too surprised if some rural school districts that didn't have a mask mandate before decide to implement one in order to qualify for this policy to waive quarantines for their students and their staff. Basically, the response from teacher unions, from Democratic lawmakers, from education officials, from large school districts um, has been fairly negative uh, with this policy. Yeah. yeah. And I know the Republican caucus, which is you know a super majority of uh, Republican lawmakers in the state, they, they came out um, with a statement of support saying that they you know wanted to support the governor and wanted to get uh, students back into Oklahoma schools um, as soon as possible and, and uh, with as little disruption as possible, too. Right. Because, I mean, really, the reason that the governor has said that he supports his policy is he says, I want kids in schools. Kids need to be in school. I want kids in school. Back in July, I warned keeping schools closed has many harmful consequences. He, he has argued that being in school for in-person learning is going to be better for students' academics. It is going to be better for their mental health, for their emotional health. And I don't think any school district, um, you know, that normally teaches in person um, in a normal year, I don't think anybody disagrees with that. It keeps kids from access to mental and social services. It limits reporting on child abuse when teachers can't see their students. And it widens achievement gaps that already exist across income levels and races. Back in July, I warned these disparities, they can get worse. I said they can cause serious, hard to repair damage to the education of our kids. I think a lot of these districts that have been mostly virtual, like Tulsa Public Schools, Oklahoma City Public Schools, have said that is what we want. We want to be in person, but we do not believe it is safe to do so, which is why we have hardly done it this school year. Um, so that's really why the governor is doing this, is he says, I want kids in schools. Um, and, you know, there just seems to be a disagreement on when and how to accomplish that. And education is a major political topic in Oklahoma all the time, and that has really only increased during the pandemic. And I 
I feel like just from observing, you cover this and, and watching what Stitt's office does. He has been talking about schools and kind of had a hand in that policy making throughout the pandemic. Uh, you know, is this the first time that Stitt has been at odds with the education community, especially since this announcement seems to be a large and one of the first steps that he's taken away from prior talking points about, you know, local control and local decision making and how um, it's personal, con- uh, personal choices and responsibility that are going slow the spread of the virus in Oklahoma? So I'd say this is probably the first time that I've seen such a, I don't want to say universal, but there has been quite a chorus from education folks who were in disagreement with the governor about this, like I, like I told you before. Um, but I wouldn't say this is the first time. Um, so there have been there have been some people who have been critical of the governor um, in education for quite a long time. Uh, the Oklahoma Education Association, which is the state's largest teacher union, has been a regular critic of the governor's policies. Um, again, you know, state school superintendent Joy Hoffmeister is not normally um, she, she does not normally come out uh, disapproving of the governor publicly. Um, but there have been signs that um, his office and state health officials have come out with policies affecting schools that she may or may not have been on board with. So back in December, uh, the state health department decided that they wanted to pilot in-school quarantines, meaning students who were going to have to quarantine because of a COVID exposure could quarantine for a certain period in school in like a separate classroom where everyone's spaced apart and wearing masks. Um, And basically all that was said was that she was told about that policy, um, but she did not speak at the press conference announcing it. um, And it didn't really seem like she had totally thrown her support behind that. It didn't seem like she was really involved with uh, the creation uh, and rollout of that policy. The, the thing that was so striking about it this time is instead of, you know, her maybe just not appearing, not really talking a whole lot about it, this time she openly says, no, I'm, I'm not for this. So this is kind of a new step. Um, but there have been instances before where it seemed like the state health department and the governor were going one way and the state department of education was going another way. And then I think the greatest... Um, the greatest indication of all is uh, that, you know, she is she was a proponent of stricter uh, COVID-19 measures that would be required of school districts and um, the state board of education, most of whom were appointed by Governor Stitt, voted not to require, have voted multiple times not to require any COVID precautions of any school district. It's a, a local choice. They wanted it to remain a local choice. Um, and even things like requiring masks, Hoffmeister has said, I think every school district should have to require masks. And the state board has said, no, we, we will not require those things. So, And now looking forward, uh, I know recently, maybe just even yesterday, wrote a story about the possibility of teachers being able to start getting vaccinated uh, within phase two of the state's vaccine distribution plan. And you've mentioned that uh, a new semester is starting up and students are able to go into schools uh, like in Oklahoma City uh, elementary schools. So 
what are the things that are going to be important uh, going forward with this new semester um, as you cover education? Yeah, so first of all, I think we're going to be seeing even more schools opening up that weren't open before. Oklahoma City Public Schools is a prime example, uh, a district that has spent most of the school year in virtual learning, will uh, has started opening up its elementary schools this week and is eyeing a tentative reopening date for middle and high schools on February 1st. Um, they, to assist with that, um, they, they have added new layers of disinfecting and air purifying and things like that. Um, and they also are hoping to begin vaccinating staff on February the 12th. Um, the superintendent said that, you know, those vaccine doses will be very limited and intermittent, um, and they're going to have to prioritize uh, staff members, you know, uh, considering which schools are reopening first, considering how much uh, student contact uh, certain staff members typically get. Um, And then they're also going to try to reflect the uh, phased tiered plan that the state uses, which prioritizes, you know, healthcare workers, then first responders, then um, senior citizens, and then teachers. Um, But honestly, I think for, you know, teachers in the district is probably a welcome site because it still remains completely unclear when the state will be able to begin vaccinating teachers. Predicting a date of when we will be open to teachers at large as far as that category, it's way too premature for me to be able to estimate that because again, and I know you get tired of me hearing this, this, or me saying this, but it's about vaccine inventory. I just don't know when we'll have enough vaccine inventory that we'll be able to move to those groups. So we're not there yet. Um, I am not prepared to make a prediction on when that's going to happen. I would hope uh, that it would be sooner rather than later, but still too much, uh, too much is still in question. So, um, you know, OKCPS recommended that teachers search for their first opportunity to get the vaccine. There is just a lot going on in the education world right now, and that will, it sounds like, likely continue. Um, Thanks so much for catching us up on this new announcement from the governor's office and the response to it. No problem. Thanks for joining us this week. You can read all these stories and more every day in the Oklahoman and at oklahoman.com. Check back next Friday for a new episode.